three, two, one, let's go. Hello, Jack Roper. Hello, Alex. How is it going? It's going good. Um, this is episode two. Like, we're here, we've finally done it. This is something we've been trying to do for months. Yeah, quite a while. <laughs> um, Got a little sidetracked with the whole COVID thing. Pandemics, get in the way of ambitions. Um, for those that don't know Jack, uh, he is my friend who is a great source of inspiration to me. Um, I first met you through uh, a, an acting role for something you directed. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, Mikey boy uh, got us in. You needed a bearded man to be a carpenter. Yes. And I rocked up to the site uh, in like Stammer Park in Brighton, and uh, there was this young guy with a, a camera on a, on a skateboard, like, Oh God! I remember that. Yeah, I built my own slider for it. Yeah. Um, out of like bits, bits of like electrical, um, like metal things that wires go through, and then okay. had a skateboard that I dismantled to be able to get nice slidey shots. So anyway, it like blew me away, and you like directed like for the whole day. I was just yeah, your ambition was inspiring, and then the more I got to know about you, um, and we went for that drink, and I, I just, I just wanted to say like what you had done to like my inner, inner monologue because I was around a lot of negative people that would say like oh, it's a dream to be an actor or to, to go for this and that and then here you are like doing it trying um, to do it but still, but... <laughs> oh you've like leaps and bounds in the time that I've known you, you you've come so far I mean I'm agentless now again <laughs> but... but you've done like tons and anyway for me it's been like a huge source of inspiration to continue doing my things um, in the face of adversity so well, uh, I'm glad I could inspire you because you push me to keep going as well when I'm yeah. having my little big dips yeah I mean that's kind of what we do and we've got Mike in the background here he was uh, going to be pulling things up for us but it, it didn't happen um, hello <laughs> sitting in the corner uh, so Mike's an online streamer um, and the three of us kind of pick each other up when we're down um, and it's it's nice I really like this brotherhood that we've got going um, because it's hard to find um, so I want to talk about you and what you, you do uh, to, to celebrate you as a person. Okay, sure. Uh, so the acting, like, that's what got you into it? Um, I mean, I, I was always around acting and film as a kid because my dad's an actor. Um, so when we were younger, we would... Um, I'm talking about me and my brother, mm -hmm. Harry. Uh, we were part of a drama club. And then I got an agent, which was actually my dad's agent. Me and my brother were both with that agency. And we'd go up for parts like in The Bill and like some, um, some like science show where they needed like twins. So we actually met the, the Weasley twins, Amazing. the guys that play the Weasley twins at the audition. We were like, oh my God, that's Harry Potter. Yes, like, holy crap. <laughs> uh, apparently the, that show ended up casting like middle-aged men. So I was like, well, why are they trying to cast kids? But whatever. Um, so I did that. I never actually got anything through it when I was a kid. Um, but I was in a play called An Inspector Calls alongside my dad playing the it's like a group of kids at the start running about, causing mischief. Um, so I got to do that, you know, went on tour with it, went to like Jersey and Glasgow and places, which was quite fun. Um, and it also took us to Australia. I wasn't in Australia. Like, well, I wasn't in the play in Australia, but my dad took me and my brother there and our mum because he didn't want to leave us behind for three months, which was quite nice. That's really cool. Um, and yeah, I wanted to then go onto the other side of the camera and started, you know, trying to make videos. I made a YouTube channel. I was about... 18, 17, 18. Yeah. I got to like 2,000 subscribers and then yeah, yeah. it sort of tapered off. You made the money from it, right? I did. 
I didn't get that paid that money until like years after I made <laughs> grand total of eleven pounds. The yeah. only reason I got that <laughs> money was because the company who I was partnered with went um, into li- what's it called? I don't know. Liquidation. Liquidation. Yeah. Like so, they had to pay out all the money that they owed people because oh, wow. um, they would only pay it out if you made like fifty quid, um, okay. and I only made eleven. But at the end, I got it. So I was like, cool. Nice. I'm a paid YouTuber. Yeah, so one thing I, I admire about you is that not only are you like an actor, but you're a photographer and a director. So you you write, um, you and Mike like uh, come up with like scripts, and it's there's like so many facets to you. Um, and, like you're just a useful person to know as well as like, an inspiring <laughs> person to know. Like you, um, you got me to like modeling. Like uh, when I didn't, I had no concept of that world and uh, then you took like I know what 10 pictures of me or something and then I put them on a website and all of a sudden people calling me like hey did you want to model some suits and uh, yeah that that like blew me away that you just you just did it like well, yeah like, I mean <laughs> it's it's modeling's like quite fun like the thing with it is I think people can tell if you're comfortable in front of the camera or not and yeah. um, we've both got sort of personalities that can be quite at ease in front of the camera and yeah. um, and like I sort of knew that from the moment I met you. That's why like I I loved having you in the in the short film that we made. Um. So yeah, like taking pictures of you and your beardy goddessness, <laughs> goddessness, godness was um. Yeah, it was just like a no-brainer. Uh, and it was more like as well. It was part in my benefit because I wanted to expand my portfolio and show you know that I I can you know take these model-esque pictures of people. So I was doing a lot of landscape stuff at the time yeah. um, I had done a few portraits and fashion things for my friend but I wanted to further expand that and have like an actual male model because I, I was shooting a lot of female models at the mm-hmm. time uh, and it's quite hard to find good male models to be honest I, I mean I guess yeah uh, well ones that are willing um, there's such a stigma attached to it that like being a model comes with ego right you think you're pretty like just on the record uh, I don't think I'm pretty <laughs> I have my days where I look in the mirror and I'm like God, is that what is that yeah like, yeah but then you watch TV and you just everyone has a role in it, right? Or, or you know, whatever you're trying to advertise, you don't want a supermodel for every single thing. Like, right. hey, here's some baked beans. Yeah. <laughs> like, the amazing like hair. In the hair, it's like <laughs> Garnier. Um, so yeah, there's just weird roles, and there's no way you can get to those roles unless you put yourself out there. Yeah, is... it's it's the one thing that I've always tried to do is just be constantly putting what I've got out there and trying. Like when I f- I first changed my Instagram name to jack roper official like at uni and i got so much shit from like my friends and my brother and it's just like uh, i mean i did it because i wanted to get ahead of the curve and just be like okay so this is like the official account yeah because let's face it all the the big accounts have to have official to say they're official so if you think you're going to get to that level why not start i mean i haven't done much on my instagram for months now yeah but it's mostly because i'm trying to it's mostly been just modeling on that account um, and I want to veer more towards getting some acting stuff up on there as well. But unfortunately, like all the acting stuff I did like a year ago, I've still not gotten back. Yeah. Like my whole plan for 2020, I had like a whole game plan of I was going to I was working two jobs. So I was going to earn money and then do acting on the side because the jobs were both quite flexible. Um, like I went to Farnham for a week to do a short film, which I've got to see, which was amazing. Um, and then at the end of 2020, I was going to gather all the footage that would have come from all the short films I would have done, uh, cut it all together and start sending it off to some higher tier agencies because mm-hmm. I'd been signed to a few mid-tier and lower tier ones, um, but they weren't really getting me anything. And I've had such a shit time with agents. 
um, that I was just like, right, I'm going to take this year off from agents. Like I just unsigned. I was like, don't want anything to do with you anymore. Just going to focus on getting my show reel up to where I know it can be. Yeah. Um, and showcasing what I can really do as an actor. Yeah. Um, and I had a couple of films lined up. There was one where I was going to go to Sweden uh, and I was playing playing a character uh, with special needs. So that was like quite a delicate role. I wanted to make sure that I was doing it right. So I was showing everyone I could myself tape to like be like, is this like just hitting the mark or is it off? Like, am I doing something wrong? Mm. Everyone seemed to love it. Everyone was like, that's perfect. I mean, I got the role out of 200 people, awesome. but it kept getting pushed back because of the pandemic. Um, so and now we're not filming until next year like i think we're filming like may 2021 which is like a year later still it's there um and that matters and it's a netflix thing right um well the director and writer wants it to be so the plan is it's a short film at the moment um she's also got another feature in the works but i don't know if she's going to stick to that because of everything that's gone on but it's going to be a short film and then she wants to turn it into either a tv series or a feature depends which way it goes goes, um, and how the actual story unfolds but it's something that showcases my range as an actor like quite well, I think. Yeah. So that's one of the important. things that prevented me from sort of doing any more acting was the time delay between your work and like what you read from it. Like sometimes things don't get processed and released for years, or you know, the payments are 160 day invoices. Like it's insane. Um, it's actually ridiculous. The Bollywood film that, that I was on was something like 160 days, and then they got delayed even longer, like just to get paid. So to pay your rent and they have a li- like a livable wage just, unless you had it back like, anyway, the whole thing is, yeah it's, it's very difficult to like maintain it like I've had that where you know I've had a whole month where I've not earned anything because I've been waiting for a payment for something else to come in and the issue with acting is it can be so last minute I remember I had a casting for something on a Wednesday um, I didn't get it or any callbacks or anything, but the whole process was casting on the Wednesday, the callback would have been the Thursday, and then the Friday it would have been flying out to South Africa for a week. That's how quick commercial castings can be. Yeah. But they pay so much. Yeah. And I was actually talking to my girlfriend recently about this, who's also an, a- an actress, um, and just how unfair it is, because it feels like the industry's taking advantage of actors, because it's like yeah. they're making us work to their um, sort of schedule, when in fact, you know, we need to make a living. We can't just drop a job like a part-time job at a moment's notice to go you know and do a job that's 10 grand even though we really want to Mm -hmm. because you know you could then lose that part-time job and that 10 grand is going to run out very quickly um and it's just like what do you do yeah yeah Yeah, i'm on the fence about that whole thing any creative job uh gets taken advantage of like even to me with the jewelry trade like i you know will be paid so much to make something and then uh, the Customer will be charged like eleven times that price, <laughs> and then the, the business makes that money. I don't see it, um, which is why I kind of stopped in that industry. So same with 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 acting, I guess. But creative people don't seem to get their shit together. <laughs> so I guess you need middlemen to to pull pull us up and direct us, send us to South Africa, or make us make that ring. Or so I guess they need to cut. But yeah, the time scales are unrealistic. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well. Um, that was going to be my next question about how um, do you think the internet is going to cut out the middlemen for acting things like um, Star Now? And- it definitely has. Um, I mean, you still technically have the middlemen because Star Now and like the casting sites like Mandy take you know they take like a monthly or yearly subscription fee, mm. which is still quite ridiculous. Like the amount that you actually have to pay to just have access to these castings mm-hmm. is not okay. Like it's one hundred and fifty quid a year, I think, for Mandy. 
Um, and that's just to have access to paid castings. And it is worth it because, you know, you, you can get jobs which pay like 500 quid a day, which I've, I've done in the past. And like in one job, you make back the money and then some. But the fact that you have to pay to have access to these castings is, a, yeah. it's just, it's another sort of deterrent. It, it makes acting and sort of a creative job quite elitist. Yeah, it's a class thing. Though. Yeah, I feel that, especially when I was at film school, I, I noticed the people that were getting um, the jobs whilst we were at uni, like on sets and things, and the people that were getting chosen to, to be the leads on projects, even by the lecturers, were the people who either had people in their family within the industry or they were people who had enough money to buy their own camera. There was one guy a year above who had a 50 grand camera. He straight up owned it. So he was on every project because everyone wanted to use that camera and they could use it for free because he owned it. So that was the benefit of having either having money yourself or coming from money was that you were sought after, you were wanted. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, I can see it now from you know looking at where everyone is after we've graduated. The people that came from money are doing the best. Yeah. They are in the industry. They they are working in the industry at quite a high level because they've had that platform of money to sort of have as a massive stepping stone. Yeah. Whereas everyone else who didn't is still just working to survive because we've got to pay rent. We've got to feed ourselves. Like we <laughs> don't have that luxury. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> it's literally that. Shit pisses me off. It really does. Um. Okay. Well, that's a small insight into acting. So for anyone that's watching that is interested in acting, modeling, or photography, what would you say a gateway is? What's the first thing they should do? First thing, um, just find like-minded people to collaborate with. And also, Star Now does have a free sort of version of it. Um, but it's also just find someone with a camera, or have if you've got a camera yourself, even just like a crappy one that's not very expensive, take some pictures, shoot some things. Um, give yourself some sort of portfolio like my portfolio at the start was crap like it was awful but it was enough to get me like a crappy unpaid student film yeah. and then from that it gets a little bit better it gets a little bit better and then you can start getting the paid roles the higher paid roles uh, it's just it's just about consistency yeah. like you've got to be consistent in going to the shoots doing the shoots putting the effort and putting in putting in the work and yeah. um, because you know I've got quite a nice portfolio in photography and modeling in acting um in directing because i've put in the work and because i've sort of gone off my own steam and just been like right now i'm making a film now i'm acting in this film um and sometimes it's unpaid sometimes it's paid um, now i've got a baseline of i don't do anything that's unpaid because i'm at that level now where i've got enough yeah you um, slow work. <laughs> yeah i've got enough work to show that i can do this professionally mm -hmm. so i've been offered lots of things even paid work before I actually turned down the film recently that I was supposed to do before lockdown. Um, and I hadn't read the script since before lockdown. And, you know, people grow and change. It's been like six months. I read through the script again and I was like, this script is awful. Yeah. Like, it's actually not good. And I was going to be paid, I think, like 70 quid a day for it. Um, but I just turned around and was like, Look, I'm really sorry, mate. Like, I've read the script again and this isn't something that I want to be a part of. This isn't something I want my name attached to because it was quite like a... A laddie lad film like yeah. it was like a group of boys like graduating from like college or something uh, and they were just all drinking taking drugs like just doing like loads of there wasn't a coherent story to it mm. and it wasn't something that i wanted to have on my showreel or to have you know yeah to have my face a part of because yeah. when you're an actor there is a certain point where you have to say yes to things sometimes that you're 
that you don't like just so you get the experience but never do anything that makes you uncomfortable yeah um if something doesn't sit right with your morals just say no like there's no need to do that like there is always going to be another opportunity mm. don't feel that you know this semi-paid short film is going to make or break your career because it's not like your career is the choices that you make mm. in your career and that those are the yeses and the noes so make sure you're saying yes to the right projects and no to the right ones so that you're not being part of anything that's going to damage your career or damage your just that damage yourself really as a person like i don't want to be part of it's like typecasting like i don't know the actors names but some of them they had some pretty horrendous roles like portraying like pedophiles and like they're just the the one the people you hate and like there's always a stigma attached if you play like a horrible role that's it for you but then i've seen them years on and they're playing like big leads in films like someone say they had to just take that crappy role i mean the thing is i I, if the role is good and if it's for a good film and if it furthers the story in the right way, then playing the villain and playing the bad guy can be a good thing because you're collaborating on that story. You're you're making it as believable as possible. And that just showcases your talent as an actor. It doesn't necessarily degrade you. It depends on whether or not you want to be a part of that or not. Mm. Like Like if I was offered a role of like some sadistic bastard that um it's just killing people for fun like yeah like i might take that it depends on the actual context of the film like is it good is it well written is this character believable can i play this character believably are the other actors you know good can i bounce off of them is the director good can i see the director going somewhere there's a lot of um factors that you know factor in to yeah. what, making a decision on whether or not you want to take a role so a new actor you would say if you're going to an audition, like a job interview rather than just being quizzed, are you good for the job? Like, is the job good for you? Yes. Same thing. Yeah, okay. exactly that. Like I've, I've, I've had it where, you know, I've gone for an audition, um, met with a director and just like not vibed and just been like, I can't work with this person. Like just because, yeah. Like when you're acting as well, it's very important that you get on with the director. Mm-hmm. If you don't, then you can't get yourself into the vulnerable state that you need to be in to act properly. Yeah. Um, like the the short film that I did recently, in, well, recently, like months ago in Farnham, which I've seen, which is really, really good. Uh, it was a student film for students of, I think it was Farnham University. Um, it's the story about um, a young man's sort of struggle coming to terms with the abuse that he suffered from a teacher like years prior. Um, and that's manifested physically as a seven foot demon. Um, and it's a true story because the director went through it himself. It's based on his own story. Um, so when we met up in London in a in like a theatre behind a bookshop, which was quite interesting, and it was just us two there. We sat down. Um, it was meant to be a rehearsal, but it ended up just being us talking about the characters and talking about the story and about the truth of it and what actually happened. Um, and when I knew it was a true story and it was based on his experience, I knew I could trust this guy fully. I knew that I could be open I could be vulnerable I could play this character as authentically as he needed me to play it um and he was just a genuinely lovely person and he made me feel so comfortable that I was able to get into the headspace that I needed to get into and I felt comfortable on the set as well because he it 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 says a lot because directors like that surround themselves with good people you know when I'm directing my aim is to have quite a harmonious set I want everyone to feel comfortable from the grips 
to the electricians, to the camera people, to the light, to the sound. Everyone needs to feel comfortable and friendly so that the actors can have that safe space to do what they need to do. Unfortunately, some directors are just tyrannical and yeah. don't do that. So I try and avoid people like that. But a lot of di directors have made a name for themselves being like that. Like, oh, they're so difficult, but it's because they're a perfectionist. And it's not, no, you're not a perfectionist. You're just a cunt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Straight up. They don't need to treat people yeah. like that. I just, um, I think it's a misunderstanding on how hard acting is. Like, it's seen as like an easy job, right? But I know I read something about uh, Jack Nicholson for The Shining had to, to get into his mind state for the, the hammering to a door and being like insane. He had to have like an apple for two weeks. Like, oh no, it's a cheese sandwiches. He hates cheese sandwiches, so they gave him nothing but cheese sandwiches for two weeks. So he was like furious. Like, that's a lot of effort for one scene, but was it's it, necessary. Was it that one that took 127 takes? <laughs> no, there, was, there was a scene in The Shining that took 127 takes, and it's just like, I, at that sort of point, I'm just like, Kubrick's just being a dick. Like, yeah. there's no need for 127 takes. Like, to wind him up further, you know? Probably. Cut, like, again. I, Cut. I, I have done that, actually. In my own film, um, my own horror, We there was a point where the father of um, the daughter comes in, um, finds that she's, like, attacked this guy, um, and he's, like, freaking out, going mad. Um, and we had the actor, Jamie, like, run in and, like, dead into camera just like and i'm like sat behind the cameraman watching the screen and literally like he's doing it and then i'm like again reset don't cut reset he runs out runs back in he's running in and out in and out in and out in and out because he's getting more and more sweaty more and more red more and more angry each time i'm just like not cutting i'm just saying reset and it just got better and better and better Amazing. and like some sometimes you do have to work an actor as a director but afterwards like i sort of spoke to jamie and he was like i understood fully what you were doing and i really appreciated that um, so supportive like, yeah it's having that connection with an actor to understand that when you can push yeah. and when not to yeah. and that's why I love you that's uh you know, we, we messed around that concept for that um, you have to do a series of like emotional reactions uh, and I got you to hit me in the head a couple of times oh, like so my eyes would well up I, <laughs> I was so <laughs> hesitant and just like afraid of that because you it was when we were doing it was like the second or third time we like shot together like yeah like, we didn't pictures. Know each other that well, yeah I guess. um and it was more just like i don't like hitting people like i'm not a violent <laughs> man but you were just like yeah hit me so i can get angry and i was like what really yeah and i was like okay and I slapped you across the face <laughs> and it worked like the pictures look really good there's like yeah, raw emotion in them and yeah. Um, yeah but just like oh Great don't fun. like that but that then that's the thing like i've been hit in a in a film like there was a a short film that I did for like a directing assignment for one of my directing colleagues at uni um, and in it there's like a flash back or flash forward or like fantasy of like um, if I go up and speak to this girl she's going to slap me mm -hmm. and we did that visually um, and it's like I go up and say hi and like uh, I was like to the girl Izzy I was like you can just slap me because it'll be funnier just like just hit me she's like no no I don't want to I'm just like just slap me honestly it'll be fine like I know this is just for this like just slap me and she slaps me and even in the shot you can see her hands go to her mouth because she's shocked that she did it because she slaps me and the, my glasses like fly off a little bit uh it's just like ugh, I, that was in my showreel for a long time i think it might still be in my showreel Amazing. yeah and it's like when i had short hair as well so it's just like, i can't imagine you with short hair i don't think i've ever seen it it's weird i don't like myself with short hair <laughs> so people that beard it's, it shouldn't be um keep your glorious long locks i will <laughs> um, okay, so I want to like kind of mix up the this episode and um, just get people to, to see what you're like as a as a person other than a professional. So I've thrown in some like fun facts 
to to blow your mind and see how you feel about it. So here's one I read yesterday. Oh, I say yesterday this morning, 2 a.m. while online, not being able to sleep. Um, dual consciousness. So people have been reported to have brain surgeries um, and then afterwards have separate movement of their this is really weird that you're sort of saying this because I literally was watching a video this weekend with my girlfriend that I think it's CGP graded okay. about this, that you are too. Yeah. And it's when people with epilepsy have their brain um, sliced. sliced. Yeah. And then when um, they're sort of grabbing something with, um, I think it's your left brain controls your right hand and mm. your right brain controls your left so when they're grabbing something with their left their right hand comes in and just like slaps it away yeah because it's your left that controls the speech i believe so that controls right yeah um no so it's grabbing something with your right and your left comes along to slap it away yeah and your right brain is actually like a quiet team player mm -hmm. like even in us now right now there are two separate sides to us yeah and one is just playing along because they can't talk yeah and they're just trying to be helpful yeah um but it's just really strange that you brought that up because I literally watched it at the weekend. <laughs> like, okay, that's, amazing. that's a bit weird. Well, I wanted to link that to how you, well, how you feel about like the inner, inner monologues. We've talked a lot in the past about mental health and how like we beat ourselves up in our mind. And, like you know, on the outside we're like, "Hey, how you doing? How's it <laughs> You know, we, we we try to get through each day. Um, and I just when I read that, I just thought maybe we are too, or you know, even more. I really wanted to write a book called Multiple Occupancy of like different characteristics in people's minds particularly mine because I seem to have so many I reckon when I make something I don't think about it I just sit down and I just do it it's like it just comes out I don't even which is why I can't package it in that industry you know like in, in, in trade because if someone asks me can I make that I honestly don't know mm. until I try and do it which is why everything's a one-off um so for this sort of multiple occupancy and then so we've got evidence here do you believe there could be potentially two of every person in a mind um, yeah, I mean, from from the video that I watched and from the fact that it is just scientifically proven that these people who have had epilepsy and had their brains split have, you know, their left hand slapping things out of their hand. And like, um, there was also another example of if the left hand had passed something to the right hand without it knowing, then your left brain is like confusing my brain right hand. yeah <laughs> would come up with a random reason as to why you were holding that object because it didn't know that the left hand had handed it to it so it'd come up with a plausible reason but it wouldn't be the actual reason of you've just been handed it to yourself which goes into the whole like reality like what are we doing yeah it's really weird so yeah i do believe that uh, i do believe that there there could be two versions of ourselves or two consciousnesses in our brain um but then i also you know i struggle with like negative thoughts myself and like there, there are times where I'm constantly battling those thoughts where, you know, I genuinely think that sometimes I'm an arsehole. Like, I think I'm a dick because of the thoughts I have. But then I'm like, they're just thoughts. I'm not acting on them. I'm yeah. not that person. I'm not going to do that bad thing. I'm not going to say that horrible thing. You know, thoughts are thoughts. And you can have intrusive ones which aren't related to who you are as a person. Yeah. What matters are the thoughts that you choose to act on yeah. and the actions that you choose to take yourself. Um but yeah, I do, I, I do believe that there is something to that. I think uh, I definitely need to research it more myself to like yeah. have like a proper conclusion to it. But from the sounds of it and the video that I watched at the weekend as well, I was just like, holy crap. Cool. It's so cool. Yeah. I love it. Like it is the concept of, um, and uh, I think just uh, a random bro science here is that 
perhaps you can interchange these voices because sometimes you get the kind voice, sometimes you get the negative voice. And uh, I've heard like you know, soldiers talking about retraining that voice in your head instead of like the, the aggressive negative one that's like, oh, come on, don't be weak. Change it to be so enthusiastic. And uh, they would say like put a feminine touch on it, like, come on. <laughs> and they, it's the sort of thing that pulls you through a hardship. Yeah. Um, yeah. So to, to swap out that bad voice for something more harm harmonious with your body so you can yeah. be a better person. I, I, I like the idea of training that through meditation and mindfulness. and like say not acting on the bad ones and yeah. just pushing it away um, it's, it's it's definitely the thing is like i wouldn't say pushing it away i would say allowing those thoughts to come through and just letting them go yeah. because if you're resisting any sort of thought that's going to allow it to have some sort of power because you're saying oh i don't want you i need you out yeah. and it will push back whereas if you're just like i've had that thought that thought's not me cool yeah letting so it just Beyond your mind, when you're interacting with people, you get people that like a party, that, that, you know, the antagonists, like the same thing. If you don't listen to them, you don't act on it. They're just the noise in the background that passes away. So. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. All right. Well, that was cool. I liked it. You, uh, we had that link, uh, which gives us time for that bonus fact. It blew my fucking mind, right? So apparently Oxford University was founded before the Aztec Empire and Cleopatra is closer to the iPhone than to the building of the pyramids. Oh my God. That's... That is actually mad. Like, how long humanity's been around? That is a long time. But then, in the grand scale of the universe, it's just a little yeah, blip. Blink of an eye. I've been, yeah. I mean, we're definitely going to talk about this in podcasts because I feel comfortable talking about it with you. Um, maybe we would do a debate with someone else I know that refuses to accept this. But uh, Graham Hancock and Ray Randall Carlson talking about like a pre-civilization of humanity emerging from the Ice Age. Um, uh, the, the sort of hypothesis is that humanity got to a stage of advanced tech where they could build these huge structures that we don't seem to be able to build and if you really look into it like they, we really don't know how to build them like you know you can't get paper between the rocks things like there's tons of like if i, I used to be a skeptic and, and be like mm, i'm sure there's ways you can build it but the more they've researched there's, there's i'm gonna have to look into it and like research there's, so many, well. there's like 10 hours of podcasts like that i would just throw you yeah, 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 yeah. hell yeah um but yeah the hypothesis is that they, you know we got to a stage um, and then a cataclysm happened. They believe it was like a meteor hitting the ice caps and it melted. Uh, like, so thousand years of rainfall in a day, like just streams carrying icebergs with rocks. And that explains like a big boulders and like empty plains in America. And uh, just, yeah, it's like we have amnesia as a species. Um, and it's kind of like... It'd be very interesting to see what other sort of scientific minds have to say on that matter and see oh yeah so much yeah <laughs> like i really want to see what what other people have got to say on it and like what the actual research behind it is because that's fascinating it's compelling that, right yeah it makes me question again like um like what we're taught because we're, we're given a very basic outline at school like this is happened, this happened this happened this happened and then we learn the things like about oh, like propaganda and it's like oh okay they use propaganda in the wars are they using it now on the bbc like <laughs> you know all these things like, am i listening to the truth on the news and it, it really opens your mind to things um an interesting fact there um which brings us to the sort of towards the end of this and uh one thing i wanted to do was to lure people in to this podcast we do a little pre-clip soundbite pre-clip soundbite yeah and how do you lure people in like something controversial or aggressive like <laughs> controversy <laughs> so we, we should just bullshit no. people maybe we get into an argument right <laughs> so we are like, i can't believe you said that i don't appreciate the tone jack wrote that's ridiculous that's unbelievable so, <sighs> oh go. my god that will be fit <laughs> <laughs> can we get a cn to be like we've been snake yeah propaganda Alfred, motherfuckers <laughs> so there you go i don't believe everything that's on the news um yeah, so, I mean, that brings us to the end. I think it's been 
roughly half an hour. It has, yeah, it has. On, on the mark. Um, is there anything you would like to promote or talk about? Um, not at the moment. Like, I mean, everything that I've been working on is like on hold at the moment. Um, like I'm, I am doing more film photography at the moment, so that will be going up on my photography Insta at Jack Roper Photography. Um, I haven't uploaded anything on there in ages, um, but I'm getting more into actually taking proper film. There you go. Hello. Um, I had three roles developed recently, and I've got some black and white ones that I'm shooting now. Uh, so I'm getting more into like the actual artistic side of photography um, and not just using my digital baby over here. So just seeing how that goes. Um, so there'll be more stuff, more content on there. And then eventually there'll be more stuff on my Jack Roper official account, yeah. more acting stuff. But and you've got a website, jackroperofficial.com? I do. Yes. There's not much. Well, I don't say there's not much. There's a lot on there, but it needs to sort of be updated. I've got my acting show reel, uh, a few short films, um, a load of my photography. You can buy some prints and stuff on there, but I am going to be sourcing a different way to do my prints because of where I'm getting my films developed now. I'm going to get some prints pre-made and then probably put them up on my Insta. So if anyone wants to buy any prints of my ph photographic work, then probably follow my Insta because that's where I'm going to promote it. Yeah, and if anyone wants to contact you for acting roles or anything else, uh, just contact you. Yeah, them. there's contact on my Insta or on my website. And, and you stuff. should because he's amazing. Um, okay, well, uh, that's that. Um, I guess uh, my plug is to uh, sign up to my website. Um, it's one pound subscription and you get access to the chance to win handmade jewelry every month. Um, this month's theme is mindfulness, there'll be a journal, a pendant, and a ring. Uh, if you follow me on Instagram for daily uploads, uh, eventually YouTube for live feeds, and uh, my website, alexanderrenofficial.com. Um, thank you for listening, and uh, I hope you enjoyed episode two. Bye!